When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Drill Down. We've got business stories behind stocks on the move. I'm Corey Johnson. October 28 gives us episode number 127. Well, just ahead, one chip making company is seeing an end to the global chip shortage. And the lending club is finding that it's already very good business is better as a bank. And how a biopharmaceutical company is managing disappointing news from the FDA Staying focused on a goal of making hyper-personalized therapies. Our conversation with Mankind CEO, Michael Castagna. An interesting conversation, but you got to wait because first, it's sponsor time. The Drill Down is brought to you by Era. Never miss another critical event or insight ever. With Era, customize your company watch lists and track key events, mentions, filings, and more, all within an easy-to-use, customizable interface. That's Era. A-I-E-R-A dot com. Don't miss an episode of our show. Look at your smart speaker and say, play the Drill Down podcast for our latest episode. And the Drill Down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com. That's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com to learn more. Let's get to it. I'm Corey Johnson. This is the drill down. We've got business news. We've got stocks behind those, uh, above those stories. I guess the business news is underneath. Stocks yeah, I guess so. Like yeah. A little, little layer on the top. The business is what matters, not the, the frosting. Sure. I was going to go with the epidermal matter. Ooh. <laughs> it's a bright ledge, big city reference. Um, so uh, uh, here we are with the three most important business stories of the day from Isaac Webster. Uh, Corey, let's start with the Facebook in the room. Facebook. Facebook is changing its corporate name to Meta as it focuses on digital realms known as the Metaverse. The social media service will retain the Facebook name, but the company will be called Meta and is already investing heavily in creating shared online spaces inhabited by digital avatars with projects ranging from virtual reality glasses to e-commerce platform. On December 1st, the company's shares will start trading under the stock t- stock symbol MVRS. Huh. I wonder if, uh, they're, I thought they're going to change their name to Ron Artest. Because, <laughs> you know, he went from Ron Artest to Meta World Peace. <sighs> wow. People are going to have to Google that. Um, number two, the U.S. economy slowed in the third quarter. That's thanks to uh, the surge in the Delta variant that um, I personally caught and uh, and a supply crunch. Also factors that fueled spending faded. That includes the infusion of government stimulus, business reopenings, and rising vaccination rates. The U.S. Commerce Department said GDP grew at a seasonally, seasonally adjusted annual rate of 2.0% from July to September, marking the weakest quarter of growth since the recovery began in mid-2020. And don't get your situation into a twist here, people. 
when you, it, it, this is the annual rate at the current rate would be 2%. Right. Yeah. The annual rate before at an earlier rate was seven over 7%, but that didn't mean we were growing at 7%. It just means if you were analyze annualize the current rate, um, it's just one quarter, but 2%, not super strong. Exactly. Delta is real. Exactly. And finally, Activision Blizzard, this its CEO, Bobby Kotick. Is it Kotick or Kotick? Kotick. Kotick. So uh, CEO Bobby Kotick known is Bobby reducing forever. his- What's that? Sorry. I've known Co Bobby forever. He's Have you? Okay. cup of tea. I love the guy. I really do. All right. Well, guy. let's key. I'm glad you got your personal views out there. Um, so <laughs> Bobby is reducing his salary and pledging changes amid probes into the company's culture. The video game publisher will end mandatory arbitration for sexual harassment and discrimination claims. The changes are aimed at making Activision Blizzard more diverse and safer for employees. Kotick was the second highest paid chief executive nationwide, earning $154 million in 2020, according to the Wall Street Journal ranking. Kotick asked um, Activision's board to reduce his salary to the minimum allowed under California law for salaried workers, which is $62,500, and said that he would forgo business, uh, bonuses and equity grants. More importantly, right? Yeah. His salary wasn't his salary. His salary was the equity grants. And he He's still a substantial shareholder and has been, but uh, taking it on the chin there. Corey, what stocks are you drilling down on today? We've been talking a lot about semiconductors. What a great day to look at ultra clean holdings. Ultra clean holdings trades under UCTT. Shares jumped 19% today and they've climbed 136% over the past 12 months. Used to be the covering uh, technology meant you were covering semiconductors and software and computers. And as technologies move, what they say, up the stack into actual things that people do, now covering technology means Facebook and Airbnb or things that are, you know, cars, right? More consumer facing. Yeah, and exactly. And so, um, but I have spent, because I'm old, I've spent a lot of time in my technology years covering things like semiconductors and the companies that make semiconductors and the companies that make the things that make semiconductors and the companies that make the things that make the things that make the semiconductors. And that is what Ultra Clean Holdings does. They make the things uh, the companies like Applied Materials uh, use. Indeed, Applied Materials is the biggest customer for Ultra Clean Holdings. They announced a quarter today that was spectacular. Revenues up 52% year over year, just in, in 13 weeks, $554 million in revenues. Their margins, great, 12.5%, uh, 12.4% uh, with profits of $49 million. Um, and, you know, maybe most interestingly, these guys said, and then their CEO, Jim Scholhammer, said, yeah, supply chain issues are real, but they're manageable and maybe they're going to get better like during the fourth quarter, which by the way is now, or maybe first quarter of next year. But he really sees things getting better. Here's Jim Schultmeyer, CEO of Ultra Clean Holdings. Yeah. I mean, the supply chain issues are affecting uh, everyone, you know, even, you know, our peers, our customers, um, you know, everyone, everyone's working through those, um, those issues. So that's, that's nothing new. Um, I don't think it, you know, it typically is, is more of an inconvenience or a, a nuisance of delaying, you know, shipments, you know, a few weeks. It's, it tends not to be a, a dramatic uh, change, but I don't, I think it's kind of stabilized at a, at the level where you still have to work it pretty hard uh, to get what you need to get out close to the date that the customer needs. But I, I don't think it's getting any worse. And I, I think, 
eventually it should start getting better. You know, maybe maybe in the fourth quarter or the first quarter of next year. Again, that's that's kind of interesting, I think, from someone who ought to know. Because he really is on the cutting edge of what's happening in the semiconductor world. Probably good news for everybody. Yeah, I bet everyone's being like, yes, thank you. Corey, what is your next drill down? Let's look at the lending club. Lending club trades under LC. Shares climbed 33% today, and they've gained 832% in a year. Oh, my goodness. Remember our interview with the lending club CEO? With, uh, Scott oh, very Sandler. well. Such yeah, I think interview. all these gains are because of our interview. I think that if you, I do think, honestly, if we don't do stock recommendations, we don't tell you how to invest. We don't have any investments in London Club, but, uh, you know, fantastic run of this company because they're doing things right. And you heard that in our interview with Scott. I'm not going to replay that. I'm going to play what he had to say today after just a fantastic earnings report, QC earnings and revenues, um, super strong. Net interest income because these guys are in the lending business went from $46 million a year ago in this quarter to $65 million. Loan originations, they think for this year, are going to be more like $10.2 billion. Um, and uh, just a really strong quarter from this company, even their marketplace business, $175 million in revenue, up about $25 million from a year before. So, uh, and, and deposits getting better. And one of the interesting things here, as you may recall, Isaac, uh, we talked a lot about when we talked to Scott Sanborn, the CEO, about uh, why buy a bank. They bought a bank called Radius Bank, and it's going to allow them to offer different kinds of products, offer those products through a bank, have a lower cost of capital. And uh, Scott Sanborn says this is kind of just the beginning. They're going to start to move everything through that bank, and it's going to happen real soon. The first priority this year is pulling our lending products into the banking um, infrastructure, uh, because that both gives us uh, cost efficiencies, it gives us incremental revenue, and it allows us to leverage the full power of our platform, our data science platform, servicing platform, our payments, all of the things we do to drive loan performance. Uh, but it, as we look into next year, we'll come back and talk about, we see a, you know, a over, over time, a broad range of products helping our customers manage their lending, spending, and savings. So it's just getting started, and uh, uh, you know, as you as you mentioned, the market reacting to these results. But we heard about it in this interview with him. Uh, go go back to your podcast app, listeners, and check that out because it uh, was a great interview, I thought, and uh, really did talk about kind of the progress these guys were making. Corey, what's your next drill down? Well, you talked about GDP. And uh, you talked about this 2% GDP, and I thought it'd be good to look at a, a manufacturing company that was really kind of seeing what was going on in the world. And indeed, Proto Labs results today suggested that things weren't going great. Proto Labs, you're going to have to tell me what this company does. I can guess, but uh, it trades under PRLB. Shares fell 20% today, and they've lost 50% in a year. Yeah, this is a $4 billion company a year ago. Now it's about half that. Mm. Um, I'm not good at math, but it's under $2 billion. Maybe, maybe you don't have to be good at math to know that. I don't think you have to be good at math. Maybe I should just, I should say really stupid things about math and say, you know, I'm really good at math. <laughs> Half of 4 billion is 2 billion, I think, more or less. Okay. <laughs> right. Companies based in Maple Plain, Minnesota. It was fun to listen to all those nice Minnesota accents on the conference call, both the analysts and the management proto labs this morning. Uh, they reported a uh, $4.8 million in, off a of sale in profits off of sales of $125 million. Uh, so a bunch of things go. So these guys, what do they do? Injection molding, CNC machining, 
little bit of 3D printing, sheet metal. These are, this is really like kind of basic stuff, getting manufacturing things ready to be manufactured. CEO resigned at the end of last year uh, and a new CEO came in in March. Um, and here we are, not six months later, and the business is in trouble. So here's one easy way to look at it. Lots more revenues, 16% more revenues than a year ago, lots less profit. They literally had 16% increase in revenues and the profit fell dramatically. Their operating margins went from 16% a year ago to 5.5% this quarter. So just weak. And it's the opposite of what we talked about. Remember, we talked about Spotify yesterday. We talked about how Daniel X says, do lots of things fast, ship lots of product quickly, make changes quickly, because if they don't work, you can quickly undo them. Whereas if you rely on very slow, iterative, or not iterative, massive product changes, and they don't, they're not right, it really hurts the company. Well, this company, uh, Proto Labs, went with their new version of their work, 2.0, they call it. And 2.0 just isn't working. The efficacy isn't there. The efficiency isn't there. And it's just crushed them. Listen to CEO Robert Porter. You know, we launched, we launched 2.0 earlier in the year. And, you know, we expected that there would be um, things that we'd have to work through with a, a large systems uh, launch like that, both for customers to uh, adapt to using the new system and for our employees to adapt to using the new system. And um, that's what we saw, and we worked through that. And with customers, it worked very well, and you know they're they're very happy with it now. Uh, with employees, uh, we we made headwind, but we're seeing some of those inefficiencies persist, and uh, so that's a real focus for us now. As you know, we've changed some of the workflows for our employees. And in some cases, those workflows are less automated than they were in 1.0. So we're addressing that head on. Uh, we've got, uh, we're working with the, you know, the, the business leaders in those areas and the subject matter experts. We've identified the areas and the workflows that, uh, where, where those inefficiencies remain. And we're targeting our software teams specifically to address those, uh, to, to drive those improvements. They've literally come up with an innovation called 2.0 that uses more human labor and less software, less automation. And now they're like, ah, oh, yeah, that, that, that wasn't a good idea. Whoops. That's why the stock got wrecked. <laughs> All right, coming up, we've got a really interesting conversation with a company that's a real turnaround story, story in, the, in the drug industry with some interesting delivery platforms, some novel new therapies coming on. And it's a good lesson in how to take a company that's running out of cash Try to find somewhere to grow while you're trying to keep the lights on. Mankind CEO Michael Castagna joins us right after this. The Drill Down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com, to learn more. All right, welcome back to the Drill Down Podcast. I'm joined right now by Michael Castagna. He's the CEO of Mankind. I'm trying to say, it's got two ends. I'm trying to say man, but it brings <laughs> up my upstate New York, Rochester accent that I've worked so hard to get rid of, Mankind. Mankind uh, is uh, uh, does what, Michael? So we, uh, we have an inhaled therapeutics platform to deliver drugs into the lungs, which, uh, you know, will be convenient over the next couple of years given COVID. But 
Uh, today we deliver inhaled insulin, uh, so it's a product that, that's been approved by the FDA a few years ago, and uh, we market currently in the U.S. and uh, through a partner in Brazil, and we'll be going international over the next couple of years. So that's our main product, and we have a second product that was uh, recently reviewed by the FDA that will hopefully be coming out next year, uh, a product called Tyveso DPI with a partner, United Therapeutics, and that's for a rare disease called pulmonary hypertension, and that impacts about 40,000 people here in the U.S., yeah, so let's take these separately. So a Freza, is that what you call it? A Freza information yep. in an infl- inhalation powder, which is what which is the insulin. Yep. Tell me tell me about that business. What what how big is that business? How why inhaler instead of other ways to get insulin? Yeah. So when you think about the diabetes market, it's about five hundred million people across the world and about thirty two yeah. million just in the US alone. And then of the thirty two million people who have diabetes, um, about five, six million are on insulin. So your body basically, you know, most people will progress to a point where they need insulin at the end, at the end stages, but some people um, are diagnosed at an early age called type 1 diabetes, and they don't have insulin from like probably 7 to 10 years old all the way for the rest of their life. And so they got to supplement every time they eat. They have to supplement a mealtime insulin, and then there's a basal insulin. We are the mealtime insulin. So, uh, and that's been, uh, you know, insulin's been around for 100 years. Uh, it's been a very difficult product um, because it just the, the injectables don't work as fast as people would like, and it's hard to match your food and your timing. And that's a lot of what we solved for in the inhaled therapeutic space is we were able to make it. Um, every time you eat, you just inhale when you eat. You don't have to guess when you're going to eat and when your food's going to show up. And then if your sugars are still high an hour later, you can take another dose and keep really tight sugar control. And there's a new technology that's being used called continuing glucose monitoring, Right. So you used to see people stick their fingers and push the blood out. Now they just wear a quarter size sensor on their arm and it tells you on your iPhone or your, your reader what's going on every every five minutes. So so you um, can see where you stand with your sugar level and you can see your intake. And then you, with your product, you can take it with ease. You don't, you don't have to uh, shoot up yeah, and, and, uh, and time it. So you're not worried about carrying your injectable insulin. You're not worried about, you know, you can really carry a couple of pods in your pocket and or your purse and, and uh, have your insulin on demand whenever you need it. Now, you mentioned uh, that this, these symptoms can show up when you're seven years old. Just to be clear, you're not approved right now for We're not approved, yeah. So we're approved for adults 18 and above. We actually just started our pediatric trial last month, and uh, we got a couple sites up and running and some kids already enrolling. So that's exciting as well. And and how big is that business? I don't, I don't mean to be crass by describing yeah. it as a business, but this is a business. How big is that business? How big is the insulin market? It's huge, right? It's and huge. It's, yeah, and, it's, uh, and sadly growing. Yeah, it's it's. You know, the insulin market in the U.S. actually flattened out a little bit because of the new drugs launching in type 2 has delayed the need for insulin, but people are eventually going to still need insulin. Uh, so if anything, we're probably just going to see people progressing worse and worse uh, who need insulin. But the, the market in the U.S. is probably well over $10 billion uh, from just a market size. There's about, you know, in the market that we target, there's about 300,000 patients a week filling prescriptions uh, for insulin. So call it about a million and a half consumers a month. Um filling the prescription, some get 90 days, some get 30 days supply, but uh, quite quite a few consumers every week. And when you think about we're, we're approaching a thousand patients a week, uh, there's there's nothing but unlimited upside from where we sit today to help patients. And yet you're only doing 75 million in trailing revenues for the last year. What's the key to growth there? Yeah, the key to growth for us is continuing to educate the marketplace. So a lot of people don't think about mealtime insulin control. They don't understand uh, the challenges because there's really nobody marketing mealtime insulin besides us. So it's a rather large category, but it's an established category. It's built on habits that have been trained down a hundred years and we're the disruptor. So when you think about, you know, I, I hate to say like Tesla, but 
when Tesla came in with the electric car and they didn't have battery stations, they didn't have auto body shops, they didn't have service centers, they really had to go out and build that infrastructure to help support the electric car adoption. And now you look 10 years later and, you know, you got Hertz buying 100,000 electric cars this week. So I think the same is true with inhaled insulin. You know, we're throwing out 100 years of habit just like the gas-powered car. You, you have to think about your insulin ratio differently. You don't, you don't count carbs anymore. You're just guesstimating a dose close enough to your meal, and you're not guessing all this timing. So you, you fundamentally, it's easier in some ways, but to some people it's more complex because, like, what do you mean? I've been doing all this math and all this complex for 20, 30 years, and we're saying, no, 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 now you just got a guesstimated dose for 8 or 12, and if you need higher, just take another four. And we've taken a lot of that guesswork out, and that's that's really mind-boggling that people believe it or not. And so, uh, it, you know, and it's you're changing someone's habit, and they said, "Well, I don't understand how that can happen. That I'm less accurate in my dosing, but I actually get equal or better control." And I think, depending on our studies, we can show you, you know, you get equal or better control or or less hypoglycemia, and which is hypoglycemia is a uh, what happens when you get too much insulin, you go low right. and you really feel like crap. And and, and uh, that's the number one side effect of insulin. And we reduce that side effect significantly. And yet that's probably not why you've got a $1.3 billion market cap. It's really about the orphan lung diseases, the other things that you're pursuing that yes. seems to lead the speculation <laughs> of your stock. We don't care about stocks in this show, really. We really care about the business and how the business works. But talk to me about the orphan lung diseases that you're going <clears> after and why of all the things you could do, sounds like you know about electric cars, why not do that? <laughs> but why, so, why orphan lung diseases? Yeah, so for me, I'm a pharmacist by training, and so I love healthcare. I've been doing this 25 years and uh, mainly do turnarounds. And to your point, I came to mankind because the Fresa didn't launch well and I wanted to turn around and get it back on the right track. And that, that turned into a bunch of other headaches. So from a business perspective, the company was in a really bad capital situation, didn't have enough cash to get through two quarters, and had a lot of debt due. So there was a lot of capital constraints in the company that prevented us from turning it around faster or getting as much progress as we wanted. And we really you know, took some bets over that time period. And one of them was understanding that, look, when you're disrupting a marketplace like diabetes, you either have to have like a billion dollars to go spend it once and blow it up, or you're changing over time. And it's gonna take time, like going to the kids and changing the standard of care and getting guidelines updated. That stuff just takes time and data. And we're now generating those things. So Fres is well on its way to success. And I think and standard of care, to be clear, for you know, for those who don't spend a lot of time in doctor's offices, and I hope you don't, yeah. if you're listening right now. But it, it's when the doctor, it's basically the, the part the doctor doesn't have to think. Here's yeah. what we, patient with this thing, we give them that thing. And that's, that's the it. standard of care. And to get them to change the standard of care usually re, re, involves a lot of data, a lot of studies, and a lot of sort of, oh, there's this other thing. We always thought this would work. We just didn't have the data. Right. And then they need evidence and you get to publish the data. And that just takes time. So I think a Fresa is now on its way. We got a good, you know, patent life for the next 15 plus years. So we'll be in a good spot on making sure Fresa, you know, does well in the company and helps patients. But the, in, in the meantime, we pivoted our, our efforts about three, four years ago. Um, when I became CEO, the question was, do you do you spend more on R&D or more on a Fresa? And because we really felt a Fresa was going to take a lot more money and a lot more time, no matter how much money we had, um, we pivoted a little bit and invested in, in, in R&D. And so we decided that our technology would best help patients who had lung disease. And that's the and delivery technology, the technology the of an in, in, in inhaler, basically? Yeah, so our, our, you know, your lungs are half the size of a tennis court. And people don't think about the lung to deliver therapeutic products like drug, like prescription drugs, um, not, not the ones that we get on the streets. Um, but the, the lungs, you know, take a lot of abuse, whether it's because people smoke or they vape or they do whatever. 
you get your oxygen every day. So, so the lungs are an incredible delivery of, of, of opportunity that was underappreciated. And so we, we took the opportunity and inhaled insulin was one of the first times you delivered a non-lung disease treatment into the lung as a delivery mechanism. But we also felt there's a lot of um, lung conditions that just don't get good therapeutic options uh, because they just can't penetrate the lung in a, in a good way. And we felt that's where our technology would be best served to help patients and drive a big difference in society. And so one of those first targets was this rare disease called pulmonary hypertension. And what you think about is high blood pressure in your lungs, shortness of breath, you, you, people life expectancy, I think is like five years from diagnosis. Um, so not a very long expectancy from when you get this disease. And, and now it's much longer today um, than it was 20 years ago. Uh, and so people are living uh, longer lives. But this is a very challenging disease. These people are hooked to nebulizers, IV infusion sets. They really can't get out of their house. They can't go very far. Uh, and they run in shortness of breath very quickly. So being able to make our technology, you know, carry around with them and get them out of the house and get them to be able to get better, better eff efficacy than the better results, I'll say, for the average person. Uh, better results than what they were doing is what we we're focused on. And so uh, in three weeks, we were able to take people off their old drug and put them on, an, on our technology and improve their life in three weeks. And, and this improves them. Uh, uh, what's the old drug? These are orphan drugs, I thought. Yeah, so the old drug disease, is the, the one say. we're so replacing. It's called We should tibeso. back up a 30,000 foot view, sorry. Uh, uh, an orphan disease is what? An orphan disease is a, is a disease that impacts a limited number of people. I think it's generally less than 200,000 or 500,000 people in, in the country. And so um, they really, the FDA gives special categorization and special exclusivity to companies who invest in orphan diseases. And, and, and again, these are diseases that also that there is, for which there is no treatment right now. There are no treatments. And, and so these patients um, would have no alternatives and it's been a really successful program. Uh, and so this, this disease had its first drug approved back in 1998, uh, if I recall, 20, 23 years ago. And that was Tyveso Tripostanol. And that, that's, the, that's the ingredient in this product that we make uh, that we just finally, after 23 years, transformed into a dry powder that delivers it into the lung and gets a really good, nice penetration. Uh, and, and so that's really the opportunity here is this orphan disease um, impacts about 45,000 people here in the U.S. And then there's additional people outside the U.S., but they're also going after new indications. Another one called um, interstitial lung disease. It's another, I'll call uh, 50,000 patients. And then there's COPD, pH, which is another 100,000 patients, and then yeah. IPF. So there's like another, we're taking a disease that, that Currently, the drug cheats three to five thousand patients, and if all goes well over the next three four years, it'd be open up to you know fifty to hundred thousand patients, and uh, and that's really exciting to be able to help that many more people. Can you take me into the well? Don't take me to the chemistry because my chemistry grades are not going to get us there. But uh, but can you kind of metaphorically explain how it works? The technology or the drug? The, the drug. Well, both. Yeah. So so you know there are lots of drugs that have been approved that. You know, sometimes the dosing, when you take it uh, in, in a tablet form, it causes drug interactions in your body or causes GI sickness, certain drugs do these types of things. When you put them directly into the lung, you bypass that metabolism in this gut. And when you do that, you actually sometimes don't need as much drug, so therefore you're giving less product, which means you're hopefully gonna get less side effects. And in this case, you're delivered directly to the lung, which means hopefully you're getting better, F, better outcomes because you're putting the drug directly into the lung. So it doesn't get to the bloodstream. It doesn't go through the stomach, where, as you mentioned, the bacteria no. destroys most foreign objects, and that's what they have, no. <laughs> foreign in, enzymes and so on. So, and, and when it does go through the lung, it still gets into the bloodstream. Remember, your oxygen goes across right. your lungs and gets into your blood. So 
what you want to do is use you hopefully you get less of it in your bloodstream and more of it treating the local effect of the lung and even if it goes in the blood the blood's circulating through the lungs constantly and you 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 hopefully still get good levels there but you don't want drugs laying around forever right so it's important to do an effect hopefully last a little bit while a lot like you take this drug four times a day so um you know you want it to get in there resolve your symptoms and then hopefully you're good for four or five hours and then your symptoms start to come back you take another dose and you're good for the next four to five hours but this is a chronic disease where basically every four or five hours you need to give yourself a treatment or six hours uh, and is the is the delivery system just an inhaler or is there something unique about it yeah no it's a very simple inhaler so um because we're on video you can see it but it's it's about the size of a finger right a little smaller than my thumb for our listeners he's showing me something that's the size of a finger but he just said that so yeah. uh so it's a it's a plastic device about the size of it, it looks like a thumb even yep <laughs> there you go and uh, 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 and and you inhale that. Yep. So you put this. You put the car, so you get a little cartridge in. So there's and, no um, like nebulizer or anything like that. No nebulizer. So you you look for a cartridge. Go figure. Because um, I know a company little, that sells the cartridges. If you're looking, Michael. Yep. So we make there's these a little cartridges. Mankind. Okay. So 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 the cartridge. I'm going to try to describe this. It looks like uh, uh, just like a little piece of a, a Lego. Yep. You attach to a thumb-sized piece. <laughs> See, I, I do this for a living. They, they, I actually get paid. To, well, I don't really get paid, but uh, this isn't what I do for a living, nonetheless. Um, so you, you put that you little, cartridge little cartridge in. You snap that little Lego in there. You breathe through the thing, and hopefully you didn't just inject yourself with some drug for the benefit I, of our I listeners. I probably did inhale some drug, but I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that then, how does the drug itself work? If again, if we can go into meta, meta, metaphors and don't include Legos. Yeah, so they're called prostacyclins. I'm not the I'm not the scientific expert on prostacyclins. Our partner is, but uh, uh, basically, like when you have high blood pressure, right? You want to dilate the blood vessels. Basically, you have high blood pressure in your lungs, and you want to be able to dilate the lung uh, blood vessels so they're not constricted, because that's you literally feel shortness of breath, right? And I think that's really what you're trying to do is resolve that high blood pressure going into your lungs. Uh, and, and delivering that target there. Interesting. So it really just opens up. You described it as the tennis court. The tennis court unfolds, and, and it, you're able to suddenly uh, um, breathe again. Breathe again, which is a good thing. Breathing. I'm all for it. Um, yeah. You mentioned your partner, United Therapeutics. Uh, what is that relationship? Why did you enter into it? And what does it give you that you wouldn't have without them? Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's uh, in retrospect, it worked out better than anyone could have imagined. Um, we, we had developed this product knowing that there were three partners or ourselves who could bring it to market. And of those partners, United Therapeutics built this marketplace through the market leader, they're the innovator. And Martine, who's the CEO there, is, is an incredible person. Oh my God. And she is an amazing person. Just an amazing, person. like there's, there is no, she is, she is one of one. She's one of the most impressive people. Yeah. in the world that I've ever met or ever heard of. She's incredible. So, so I've been I've been privileged to get to know them, get to know her personally. They've just been a great team and a great partner to us. Uh, but Martine, uh, for those who don't know, she, her daughter got diagnosed with this disease and she wound up founding a company to save her own daughter's life and it worked out well. And when you talked about our company name, Mankind, it's named after, after Alfred E. Mann, who was a founder who built 17 different companies over his lifetime, uh, including the insulin pump for that's now Medtronic, the cochlear implant, the pacemaker, so a ton of innovation. But one of the things Alman did back in 1998 was license Martine the insulin pump for her particular tropostanol. And so when I had called United Therapeutics to license this product to see if there was interest, uh, Martine flew out here literally three weeks later, 
and we talked about it. And she said, she told me a story about Al Mann and how Al Mann licensed her to pump to save her daughter's life. And she loved our technology. She loved Al Mann and felt that if Al Mann's behind this and, and our founder put a billion dollars of his own money in this company, um, that if, he, if he's behind it, it's got to work and it's got to be great. And, and we got to get this together. And we wound up signing this deal three years ago, um, 20 years to the date that she originally licensed the first pump from Al Mann. So um, a really good story, a really good feel good story about helping patients and making a difference in society. And really our founder having helped her twice, right? Transform yeah. United Therapeutics. Uh, I think is even more of an amazing story that you couldn't, you couldn't make this up. Like it just happened to come together. Nicely. We've, we've, we've got to get Martine Rothlet on this show. She also, of course, took Sirius satellite radio public in 1993 and then, you know, and then switches to biotech to save her daughter's life. Just an yeah. incredible, incredible story. Yeah, and that, that, they told her, how do you get a satellite in space? You build a bigger rocket. They said the rockets aren't big enough. Well, her solution was build a bigger rocket. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, she thinks very differently than anyone else in the world I've ever met. And I really have been uh, challenged by her, which has been great. So where are you in terms of getting this to market? So this product, unfortunately, we were supposed to be talking, it was supposed to be approved about a week and a half ago. And uh, the FDA decided to wait a little longer, unfortunately, for patients. And uh, so we had a little bit of a delay, but that delay is um, minor in the grand scheme of the next uh, 15, 20 years. Uh, we want to get this to patients as soon as possible. Uh, this product really did make a difference in our lives in three weeks. And it was held up over something really minor that we think is resolvable. And we should be able to get this product on the market early next year. And, and what, so what, what is the thing the FDA has held it up for and what's, what's um, the resolution? You, you know, for your average listener, if you, if you had a, a mall and let's say you own Macy's in the mall and there's nothing wrong with Macy's, but the parking lot outside had a falling light, the FDA said the falling light, uh, I, I had to stop anything else from going to the Macy's because there's a light that fell in the parking lot. And until you fix that light, I can't approve it out of that. I can't prove anything else to go into Macy's. So it had nothing to do with Macy's, right? I mean, think about that. Like our drug is fine. Our quality of our product's fine. Everything about our product's fine. There's a third party who does testing on the product. Right. And that third party has an issue that was unrelated to our product. And it's a, a, a fallen light, like literally. Not that, but like manufacturing wise. They're suggesting they they're suggesting that the testing wasn't accurate or that these guys can't no, perform our, our tests. testing was fine. It had something to do somewhere else in the plant with nothing to do with our product. There's a whole nother right. product line and a whole nother company. Um, but this third party does manufacturing for all kinds of drug companies and they have something called an OAI and it's an outstanding issue with the FDA. And until that's resolved, the FDA can't or won't approve a new drug out of that facility. So there's two ways you resolve it. You get them to go back and inspect and fix the issue or you move the testing to your own facility um, and, and get it redone and resubmit it. And that's what UT is doing. United Therapeutics is now moving that test back to themselves and they will... Um, you know, submit the, the testing back to the FDA, get this resolved pretty quickly. Well, it's a fascinating company, and we're glad uh, for all mankind that you brought mankind to us. It's the last time I make that joke. Michael Castagna, thank <laughs> you very much. We appreciate your time. When the drill down continues, we will have one number that tells us a whole lot more about mankind when the drill down continues. The Drill Down is brought to you by ERA. With ERA, give yourself an information advantage. Connect directly to earnings calls and other investor events with live transcription, event intelligence, and more. That's ERA, A-I-E-R-A dot -E com. And you can listen to The Drill Down on your smart speaker by saying something. For example, if it's an Amazon Alexa, say, Alexa, play The Drill Down podcast. You can hear our latest show. And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at Drill Down Pod and connect with us directly at our website. Bispod.net.
All right, we're back with the drill down bite, that one number that tells us a whole lot. Isaac, remember when I made fun of you for not being able to count to three? No. If I Okay, let me make fun. I can't go back and make fun of you again. <laughs> if I give a range, is that one number that means a lot? It's not? Uh, no, I don't think so. So what if I pick the midpoint of that range as the drill down bite, that one number that tells us a lot about mankind? Okay. I'm okay. listening. All right, no, I'll give you a better number. All right. All right, Freza, we were talking about that's that's the uh, ultra uh, rapid acting insulin, the breathable insulin. Right. Well, well according to the CDC, uh-huh. there are 34.2 million people. There's a number, 34.2 million. 34.2 million people in the United States with diabetes. Wow. As of 2018. That's a huge market. It's sad. 34.2 million people. It's a sad, Ugh. huge market. Yeah. And there we have it. That's the drill and bite, the number one, the number one number that has told us so very much about the market opportunity for mankind or their uh, insulin inhalation powder. You've been listening to Drill Down. I'm Corey Johnson. Isaac Webster is our executive producer. Ben Wilson is our editor extraordinaire. As I mentioned yesterday, the dog you're about to hear in the background, Nikita, the cow, however, does not have a name. The Drill Down is a production of the Business Podcast Network.